Um, on the other side of the story, we have Gene and the rest of the X-Men. They go save Orcus. <laughs> Whoa, what? Gene <laughs> um, is, is saving Orcus? Now, what is... <laughs> Gray is Jean Gray. And she is a person who is very, like, caring and she wants to have, like, just the best in people. So she leads the mission with Iceman to go and save an orchestra station. This, of course, gets wind to the council and I she comes to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's her. That's, she's his hag. He's going to follow her. <laughs> um, and so, you know, they, she goes to the council to kind of explain why they did this and, you know... Johnson, aka the Deadly Nightshade. Oh, okay, and I am Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, and welcome to oh, another relaunch. Welcome, that's nice, Johnny Storm. He's been having some good times in that um Fantastic Four, four. Excuse me, I was meant to say Fantastic Four book that's going on. <laughs> tried it, tried it. Anyway, <laughs> yes, he did have some really great moments. <laughs> uh, the last issue was like his focus issue, and it was really cool. Really cool stuff with his powers. If anybody's out there reading it, um, definitely go pick it up. I think it's really fun, really good book. Um, one of the villains actually was like called him on his bluff, and like the you know he's human torch, he's got fire powers, so he can't really like burn people. So this villain was like, "You're not gonna hurt me. Like you're a hero. All you ever talk about is how like you can control your fire within like a hair's breadth and whatever. So like, what you gonna do?" And he would like. Yeah put all this fire around him, but he was like, you're not going to burn me. So, like, the dude ended up beating him up. It was a good issue. I love that's a girl that's going to like a little power. I was going to say, that's why you got to be like an anti-hero who, like, isn't afraid. Moon Knight, he would never have that issue. Because the, they know. <laughs> oh, <he's> <laughs> yeah. Johnny needed to get a little stomped uh, from that dude. Mm-hmm. But anyway, how are you? Um, I'm doing all right. I have been transitioning just so everybody knows i like to go to the gym but i typically go in the mornings i'm like very much an early bird i love to be up i'm up at like 5 a.m do my stuff get things run however it's been the new year so you have a lot of people and their new year's resolutions have been to get into the gym i am not someone who is like against people trying to get into fitness or like find their space in that area so i move like i'm gonna get out your way like do what you gotta do i get it i'm gonna be there and so as a result more people have been in in the morning, and so I've been trying to transition to working out in the evening, and my body is not having it. It is very <laughs> much like, <laughs> you ain't never done this before. I don't know why you picked today to do it. It's like, I'm tired a lot now. I'm like, so it's like, oh, okay. But again, I just got to last maybe like two more weeks, and then a lot of people will stop coming. <laughs> and I can go back to <laughs> I am that person that's going to stop coming because I've been like <laughs> consistently going since the new year started like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go be in these people way who always there. <laughs> but Yeah, and it's fine. Again, it's fine. Like, I get it. I was there one time, too. Like, new, got to figure out how things work. I'm going to move. Like, I'm going I'm to change my schedule for you. That's cool. Appreciate that. But 
I know that after, especially after Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, that's gonna hop up. And then I made me my main miss a week. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of people gonna miss a week after that, and then it's gonna kind of be like, okay, well I didn't mind missing that week, so I'm gonna miss another week, and then that's just gonna continue on, and it'll be back to like a normal time, and I'll go back in the morning. I'm gonna do my best to try to prove you wrong. Okay. I hope you do. I hope you do. Again, like I want everyone who has uh, set a goal to accomplish it. If your thing is to go to the gym, go to the gym. Have a good time. You'll be one of the people who's still there <laughs> when I go back to in the morning. <laughs> I love that. How are um, you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, working. New year. Super excited for. <laughs> Getting into a lot of stuff this year. I really want to get more into cosplay. I really loved the Bishop uh, cosplay that I did at LA Comic Con. Really yes, yes, I really yes. want to try to do Shola. I really want to do his uh, Genosian costume. And I really want to That's do... With the asymmetrical sleeve? The asymmetrical sleeve, yeah. <laughs> high costume. I'm into that, yeah. yeah. Um, and I also want to do Exodus. I don't know if I can pull that one off. Because I'm not shaving my beard. Sorry, y'all. I'm not cute without it. I mean, I, th- I think you could be an Exodus with the beard. That's not a problem. But I would support that. You know I'm a big fan of his costume. The little, like, uh, the little... wings. Your thing? Yeah, I'm all about that. Actually, I hate those things. I think they're yeah. very, like, ornamental. They're fun, you know, when he's trying to gag the girls with a look. But, like, they don't, they, mean, like, they don't serve a purpose. I think they work in his whole, like, holy warrior that's Thanks. why I don't need it. <laughs> no, no, I was saying, I'm sorry. Him and Hope, I like it. I don't. But I do think if you <laughs> cosplayed it, I like try to figure out how to make mm-hmm. those. Impact, like makeup, make my face red and all that. Mm-hmm. Shout out to that him. would actually be really cool. And Sinister. Oh, I saw I like the he... big cover where he had like on the, the robe or something like that. Yeah. He don't like Sinister, so <laughs> if, if Sinister is taken over like this, I know he's got to come out and take him out. So um, that's true. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm tapping in for Sins of Sinister, but we'll see. The X Men books, <laughs> the X Men books are really coming into a X Men good. Year two, taking it. X we'll talk Red. about that later. We will. That's fine. I don't know if they're taking it. They're taking something. But anyway, let's go ahead and get started into these (laughs) updates of the week. Not too much going on, but we did want to first congratulate Angela Bassett on winning a Golden Globe Mm -hmm. for Best Mm -hmm. Actress as Queen Rwanda um, in Wakanda Forever. And I just want to say, wow. Like, I mean, she ate the performance. So, big slay. Was not shocked that she won. The performance was beautiful. It was like a great rendering, like a great achievement for her to be like the first MCU actress to win a Golden Globe or like really any type of acting award. I think that's what happens when you like just really put the stories first. So shout out to them and that entire crew. It was a beautiful movie. It was deserved. They did the, the the awards circuit this year. I don't know if people know, but like I'm really into like movies and films. I have been since I was a child. And um whenever it's time for like 
Globes, Emmys, Oscars, SAGs, all that. Like, I am all in. And the campaign trails, I watch all the interviews and things like that. Angela's been doing a fantastic job. You know, if she gets up there into the Oscars, she's going to be up against Michelle Yao, possibly, and Viola Davis, possibly, for um, everything, everywhere, all at once, in The Woman King. And they're stacking the deck with talent. And it's wow. kind of like, Queens. it's giving me anxiety. <laughs> because I was like, I, I know I can't get a three-way tie, but like I want each one of these women to win in a certain way. But it's kind of like, oh, if the other ones also don't win, I would be irritated. So it's a lot going on. Shout out to all of them, though. They did fantastic work. Yeah, those all of them deserve. Um, but we did get a Ant-Man, and speaking of more MCU stuff, but we did get the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer. Um which I go ahead and say that, like, I was never super, super into, like, the Ant-Man corner of the MCU. They're, like, fun movies or whatever. Um, but this, this has got Big Daddy Kang in it. So, <laughs> that's where so, I'll be. It's interesting. I've always actually really liked the Ant-Man corner. I think Ant-Man, the first one, is honestly probably one of my favorite, like, MCU movies, uh, origin story-wise. And I really did like Ant-Man and the Wasps and the ghosts and the villains and all that stuff that came out like Wasp Suit. It honestly kind of was my favorite trilogy after well, if Quantumanium like keeps the momentum, which I think it will, because like you said, it's got my man in it. Um, I think it might wow. be like my favorite trilogy after <laughs> the no, but <laughs> the cat trilogy. Truly. Hmm. Hmm. Really? Yeah. I didn't know like or you got a size changing thing, I guess. That makes sense, right? Like, I, I know you really go well, for those kind of powers. I do. But I don't know. I've just, like, really enjoyed the movies. I think they've been, like, I thought the first one was, like, a fun little heist film. The second one was, like, cool. Um, this one looks really good. Kang looks good. He's Paul Rudd is great. Paul Rudd is great. He's really likable. Ant-Man's a likable character. I don't know. It's just been I just I've always really enjoyed. I think about the first one when he was fighting Yellow Jacket on that little train. I thought that scene was like amazing. Oh, I love that scene. And when the train like fell over, that was great. This is making yeah. me wonder if like I wonder if Paul Rudd kind of like really boosted the Ant Man like franchise for Marvel because I mean Hank Pym. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's not a good reputation. That's not a very good reputation at all. So. I wonder if, you know, the MCU in this movie kind of really brought it back it around. Cool. I mean, I can see that. I think I think Scott Lang was already kind of like a popular character. I think this really helps cement it. I think the fact that he also has Cassie is just like another thing that kind of like really boosts him. Although I guess they gave Hank hope in the movie. But again, they had to give Hank hope because what else was he going to do? Well... We can think of some things, but we don't like those things that he does. <laughs> I can think of some things. But anyway, um, what did you think of this trailer? I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, actually, no. I only thought it was fun because I thought Kang was there. There wasn't a lot of, like, the MCU humory, you know, kind of stuff going on actually in the trailer. It, they really kind of got straight mm -hmm. to the point of, we're going to show you this quantum realm they're going to be trapped there, and they're really just giving you this, like, very mystery kind of vibe to it. It wasn't this, like, you know, MC. I don't know, you know if there was a lot of mystery. I feel like we were getting a lot in the trailer. But, you know, the MCU does tend to put, like, misleading trailers out, so a lot of them could be calculated. But, you know, they passed a law that you can sue uh, movie studios for doing that now. 
I saw this, yes. Um, so because of the MCU kind of the armor spans. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But um, yeah, so I don't know. MCU, you better watch it with how you cut these trailers now. Because if I go in there and I don't see something, especially when it comes to my men, we might have a problem. When he was getting ready to stomp Kang, I mean, uh, Ant-Man into uh, the ground, I was like, oh, yeah, I need the this. Did you see yes. how high that boot went? That leg was, <laughs> I was like, absolutely. 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 Um, also, I really, I'm sorry, y'all. I liked what they did with um, MODOK in this movie. I don't think that, like, they show you saw, like, a really quick glimpse of him without his mask on, but you also saw this, uh, like, menacing looking mask thing and he has these uh arms coming off of his chair in a later scene in the trailer but um i don't know i don't think there were other too many ways that you can really do modox like design other than it just being a big old head <laughs> like what yeah what more could you have wanted i mean i thought it was fine yeah I, I, but it's like it's it's modox i don't i don't know it i uh, it was fine I don't know what you're like. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, don't know I mean, I don't know what like, okay. I've, I've only I've seen some people. You know, you know how comic book fans can be. No, about. I did see a lot of like backlash, and a lot of people were mad. I don't know. I saw some things that said they shouldn't have revealed it at all. Some people said that he should have been uglier. Some people, I was, I was just like, I don't know. I thought it was fine. I'm here for Kang for real. Now. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but for, if, from what I could tell from that trailer, it looks like they are Modoc, the guy in the yellow jacket from the first movie. Mm. That's what it looked. That's who it looked like anyway to me. And didn't he like shrink really small into the quantum realm in the first Something movie? Like well, I think that happened to Scott, but he like managed to come back. But Scott came back, right? Yeah. I don't know. I should watch the first man, man. Stay with me, stay with me, y'all. I, I, I we'll think we'll walk that with you. Yellow Jacket we'll ends up becoming Modoc. That guy's face just looked like the actor. I don't. The the scene was so quick for me, and I felt like even when I paused it on his face, I still could like it was distorted, so I couldn't really get like a good visual of what he looked like. But I thought it was nice. I thought it was fine. I thought it I looked like Modoc. I like aim. A lot, so like, do like aim. I really hope that this is gonna become a resurgence for aim to be around. Um, I actually wouldn't mind if they used the Earth's Mightiest Heroes version of um, Wonder Man story, where instead of going to Enchantress and Zemo to get his powers, it was it was aim. Hmm, I could see that happening. You know, the MCU loves to ground something. I know. Yeah, but then they could always put the magic in there because Enchantress is still in the Earth's Mightiest Heroes version. She still ends up like taking him and making him a villain with him. Well, they would have to bring Enchantress to the MCU first. You don't think she's coming? You think they're done with Asgard? I, I'm kind of okay if they are. Oh, damn. Well. Don't let love and thunder bring you down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of, I mean, honestly, it's not even just love and thunder. Like, out of all the four Thor movies, there's really only one that I like. That's, yeah. Oh, well. 
Well, Ant Man ain't like that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know, hey, we're moving out. So <laughs> he still got that's it. Said, like as I said, when you think about a lot of the trilogies and the stuff that have happened in the MCU, like after Captain America has always been my favorite. Um, I ain't never really cared. Iron Man movies are fine, but you know, he never really moved me like that. It was always Ant Man who kinda had like the second best string for me. So I'm really excited for this one and to see how it all ends up. And Kang. Mostly Kang. A lot of Kang. Okay. There it is. It's Kang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll come right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's the comic section of the show. Now we took a little break, so you know it feels really good to kind of get back into the comics. I gotta say, I had like a really nice week of books, and I didn't actually realize like how many I had until I was just like sidebar. That comicsology Amazon thing is still awful. I'm getting like 15 emails about like all these purchases. Like, come, please just do it as a bundle. Like, come on, there's one click thing. Add the card, something like let's fix that. Let's get it together. Let me be able to buy the comics from the actual app or something like that. You know what I'm saying? That would, just, that would be nice, right? Convenient. It was just a reminder of that, so I just had to get off that off my chest. But um, before we get into the main books of the week, we had a couple of mentions. Bloodstained Teeth number eight came out. That's like really good vampire stories. You know, I think everybody should read that. Christopher Ward draws it. Uh, moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number two continued. I'm a Moon Girl fan. You know, I've secretly come to, I don't know if it's a secret, but I've come to realize that I really do like the science girls a little bit. Like you do, I've <laughs> <laughs> accepted it. I have. Um, the Lazarus Planet number one special came out from DC Comics. I picked that up. I actually picked this up because I thought this whole Lazarus Planet thing was like a part of Dark Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Dark Crisis is over. <laughs> I thought it was like, uh, like you know how they do like an after shot or something after special. I was like, oh, let's see what this is going on. Something else after Dark Crisis. Turns out it's a whole new event. Yeah, but um. <laughs> The issue itself was, like, really good. I was kind of surprised. I thought there was a lot of stuff. Batman was taken off the board very early, and so Robin kind of takes over. But um, there's a lot of different characters that appear. Power Girl, Supergirl, Swamp Thing, Poison Ivy, Blue Beetle, Cyborg, Zatanna. Everybody gets, like, moments to shine. The art is really great. It's dynamic. It's episodic. They're fighting, like, these big magical geostorms that are destroying the Earth. A bunch of heroes are involved. Um, just really good stuff. I was kind of blown away. I was like, oh... I'm glad this wasn't Dark Crisis. Because <laughs> 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 this would have been something different. So I think I'm going to kind of continue to see what's going on there. And then, of course, Captain America, Soldier, uh, Symbol of Truth, number nine, came out this week. RB Silver returned on art, which was like just a beautiful sight to see, continuing getting Sam uh, ready for the big Cold War event that's popping up and going to connect the different cat books. So if you've been reading Sentinel of Liberty, also, stuff is going on there. Check it out. Um, and getting into the main books of the way, first on the list is Photon number two. That's from Eve Ewing with art from Eden Fiore and Lucas Marsriska. And I did pick this issue up. I'm not going to lie to you. I forgot to read it, though. I'm still a little bitter from the first issue in the uh, Blue Marvel breakup. So I took my time. Oh, no. You're going to get more bitter. 
<laughs> I'm sorry to break it to you, friends, <laughs> but you might end up a little bit more bitter um, because this issue is um, continue on more of Monica's story as full time, and however we getting like a blast from the past, like an alternate reality thing kind of happening. In the last issue, um, you know, Monica like flew up into space because she was needed some air, or whatever. She was kind of clear her head. Flew really fast. In this issue, she wakes up. She's like not sure where she uh, where she is. She's on her old boat in um, New Orleans, uh, which is called the Willie Mae, which I thought was really cute. I've got a bunch of Southern. My family's like from the South, so I thought that was a great uh, nod to that. Um, then she like there's the asteroid that is um, hurling its way towards Earth. She spots it. She's like, I'm gonna stop it. She tries to phase into it, but can't phase out. And she realizes she's stuck because of dark force energy, which I thought was a great callback to um, Blackout, who was like one of her villains and her, you know, having light powers. The dark force powers are usually the things that stop her completely. So she has problems with those. Uh, and she got stuck. The asteroid like went into the ocean and she was afraid she was going to drown again, like, you know, the last time when she lost her powers. Um, but then she woke up and there was a Beyonder in front of her and he's like she was like oh no i'm not dealing with this like i'm gonna leave out of here and this beyonder i'm not gonna lie to you i don't know who this is because <laughs> this is just like <laughs> some random like flamboyant character who definitely looks completely different than the beyonder that i've ever seen and monica was like you look completely different and the character kept saying like no i'm the beyonder like i just that's who i am i have all this power I think we just have to accept this kind of new redesign of the character or just kind of reimagined version of him. What does he look Monica, like? Does he have on like a silver suit? Because there was one that just popped up in the uh, Defenders Beyond Men. Yes. This one is in a silver suit, but so I am not sure of their gender as it does seem fairly fluid. Throughout okay. the issue, um, and I mean the the Beyonder, but this one also has like a, this like yellow blouse top thing. Mm -hmm. Honestly, this, the top part, if it was a if it was if it had a train, it would be kind of hot. But <laughs> um, <laughs> it's they are like let's keep saying that they're the Beyonder. I think we just have to kind of accept that okay. they're just the Beyonder or whatever, and. Monica ends up basically in like another dimension and this is like a callback to when she got her powers like the, I guess one of the people who told her like oh the this energy that you're connected to is flooding from another dimension and it's corroding like the lines between universes and she I guess we're supposed to kind of infer like something's wrong with her powers that maybe she can mm -hmm. like traverse universes with these abilities um she's having this conversation with the beyonder they're going back and forth she's with these old avengers and they're calling her captain marvel and she's like you know this uh, is weird like where am i i've been that in a long that. time yeah um but they're like old school avengers like from the 80s like dr druid is there instead of dr strange <laughs> And then they're telling her, you know, like, oh, you know, you're, of course you had a problem with all this because you've had problems since, like, your parents are, your parents died. And she's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. My parents are alive. And she flies to her parents' house. But when she opens the door, Jericho Drum walks out. Um, and she says, hey, everybody, like, what's going on? I'm her husband. 
I told you. <laughs> in this in this alternate universe, she's married to Jericho Drum. Mm. Doctor for those who are who prefer that name. So here's the thing about that. I actually used to ship them back in the day. Oh, well there you go. When I was you got when I wish. was younger. <laughs> when I was younger and um I was like really into Doctor Who, obviously like magic eye, cool stuff going on there. And so do you remember the era when he became the Sorcerer Supreme? Yes. There was like a little he had time, the eye of Agamotto. Yeah, there was a little time during that where they had said him and Monica dated. It was like two issues, maybe. And it was very much like, oh yeah, we went on like a few dates, then like it didn't work out, and they just kind of like never mentioned it since. But I remember back then I was like, Oh, that's kind of hot. The for New Orleans. So, yeah. Damn. I guess there's plenty more fish in the sea. He can be fine. But that's so it. there we go. But it's also in the universe, so I we don't, don't know. She yeah, may that's... come back to the, you know, the six one six, and then it'll be like, you know, I don't want to follow whatever universe path I had someplace else. I want to do my own thing. Or she may that's think, real. oh wait, no, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, may give her some ideas. I can't win for losing. I don't know. I'll have to think on it more. We'll see how I feel tomorrow. I'm gonna sleep on it. Think about it. I mean, there's two of your faves with Photon. You can't really go wrong. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you don't like voodoo like that? No, I do. I don't know. No, I don't know. I think about I it. I think they, they could be kind of hot together, the science and magic. It could be kind of a serve. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to follow through, obviously, with this series because I've been enjoying it. I will say that this series had a lot more, like, um, current, or not with with current, a lot more slang that was used Mm. that came out of Monica that I thought would have felt better if she didn't say it out loud. Like, she was, Mm. she talked out loud a lot sometimes when I thought, like, sometimes when she would say something like, oh, these aren't the Avengers that I know. Like, am I tripping? That to me should have been like a narration box or something for her. It should have been a narration box. She says out loud. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. I get what you're saying. That makes sense. Okay. Well, overall, what would you rate the issue? I'd give the issue a 3.5 out of 5. Still a solid issue. Um, The art kind of dipped a little bit in this one. Uh, However, I'm really excited for it to continue I want to know what's going on with her and Jericho and her powers. I'm not really sure how I feel about her being able to like bounce dimensions. Yeah, that's really powerful. You know how I feel once they start yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, got it. Um, but okay, check that out. I, I've, I've been hearing a lot of really good things about the Photon book. You know, Monica's a character that's been around for a really long time. It's dope that she gets her shine. I did buy it. It's sitting in my pile. I just haven't read it. We'll see if I do. I don't know. But anyways, 
Next up on the list is Moon Knight number eight. No, excuse me, 19. And that's from Jed McKay and Federico Sabatini comes in to do the offensive issue. And, you know, I've been talking a lot about this book and how I've, like, really come to like it. And, like, Jed McKay is just really kind of moving up there for me in terms of writing and just, like, in this Moon Knight run. This one, it's mainly dealing with Mark and his new ally, Hunter's Moon, who's also a fist of Konshu. And they're just talking about, like, how they constantly die and come back. And Mark has kind of been operating under this sense of, we just don't die. Whereas Hunter's Moon is like, no, we absolutely die. And Contra uses his powers to like bring us back and all of these things like that. It takes like little parts from us. Things go wrong. You know, we're not maybe as sane when we come back. We're not as healthy. Like it just deteriorates us in a different way. And so they, he reveals to him that because Conchu has been in prison, his power is getting weaker. And so he told Hunter's Moon, because Hunter's Moon was killed by the assassins who were coming after Mark the last time. And so he says, you know, when Conchu brought me back this time, he let me know that his power is so weak. The next time one of us dies, he's not going to be able to bring us back. And we're just going to be dead for real. So we need to find a way to free him so that doesn't happen. And I thought that was really interesting because obviously the whole death and rebirth thing has been something they brought back from Moon Knight a lot, but it's never really been based on the sense of how much power it takes for Conchu to do it or like how much is draining for him. And then even so we deal with the aspect of sometimes it's like, did he even really die? Is that just him being crazy and like what actually happened in that sense? So I thought this was a nice way to kind of like get all of that out of the way. We continue to see him doing things for the Midnight Mission. I really is cool to see Hunter's Moon. And then on the backside of the story, the villain that he was just fighting, Zodiac, was in prison with the therapist um, who used to be one of Mark's well, murder buddies. Zodiac that like uh, from... That's not the Avengers before? No, this is somebody else. Yeah, this okay. is the new one that created for this title. Um, and he's talking to him just about, like, how he just war and, like, other countries and how they do these things better. He's like, but America has, like, the up and up on super villainy. And that's, like, the business that I'm trying to get into. And so he's just kind of talking about that and how people always come up to Moon Knight and the people he loves. And, like, the issue ends with a new villain group. Like, they got getting their guns ready, and they've got pictures of all of Mark's allies out on the table. So it just continues to be, like, a really good read for everything that Jed McKay is doing, um, building Mark's world up in a different way, building Contra up in a different way. And just, like, again, I've said it before, he does a really good job at pulling a lot of those previous runs and putting them into this and making them all work and making them all fit. And he's just continuing to do that, which is great. Like, highly recommended. Um, Sabatini was a guest artist. His art's fine. I still prefer Cabuccio's a little bit. Um, his feels a little bit more raw and, like, new to the scene. So that kind of, like, took the issue down for me a little bit. But it was still, like, enjoyable. I'd give this still a solid 3.5 out of 5, for sure. And I don't know. Shout out to the Moon Knight comic, because we know the show didn't really move me that much. <laughs> but I hope <laughs> wherever they bring him back, they start pulling some stuff from this, because it's really good. So shout out. Um, and the last book on the list is X-Men number 18, and that comes from Jerry Duggan and C.F. Villa, year two. You know, this is my team. They're taking it. I continue to stand behind them and stand with them. Taking and it. this issue was no different. Um, we get the beginning, you know, we have rescued old woman Laura from the ball. She has joined on with the team now, and we got to kind of deal with the fact that we have two Lauras. So Sink grabs Laura, and they go see new Laura, who's hanging out with the exterminator still, attacking vampires. So we get a nice little cameo from like that, so Jubilee and Boom Boom also in this issue. 
um, Sink and Laura decide to join up with them and they're like, we'll help you. Once they know that they got to get to like the big nest part of it, the two Lauras go off by themselves and they have just a, a conversation just regarding both of them being alive, how they're going to do this, what they're going to say. And I thought it was like really good. It was really tense. It felt dramatic. You feel the kind of uneasiness between the conversation. There was something that the young Laura brought up about how if something goes really bad and they both die, they're only going to bring back one of them. And I was like, oh, I didn't really even think about that. Like really, truly one of you is going to have a true death. And I think that was just a really interesting way. One thing I will say that I think the X-Books have done well is how they've handled resurrection and the aspect of like, even though these mutants can't die, quote unquote, they can still actually die. And they're coming up with like new ways to do that and like make them feel those effects and the weight and the heaviness of that death. So that's been really cool to see. Um, it kind of ends off with old woman Laura telling her, we got this set, but just to let you know, I don't want to be your friend. I don't even want to hang out with you and know that you exist. And it's as simple as that. Young Laura's like, I wasn't asking cool. you. They go there On the other side of the story, we have Gene and the rest of the X-Men. They go save Orcus. <laughs> Whoa, what? Gene... <laughs> um, Team 2 is saving Orcus? Now, what is... <laughs> Gray is Gene Gray. And she is a person who is very, like, caring and she wants to have, like, just the best in people. So she leads the mission with Iceman to go and save the Orcus station. This, of course, gets wind to the council and she comes to meet them. Well, that's her. She's his hag. He's going to follow her. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, she goes to the council to kind of explain why they did this and, you know, just talks about how we're the X-Men, we have to be good people, we have to continue to save and help people no matter if they hate and fear us, you know, getting a little bit of that old school thing back. It's her thing. (laughs) Beast Beast is also there, and Beast is very much like, so not only did you save Orcus, but you also now have two Lauras going around because you didn't think to do your proper due diligence. Beast was kind of gagging her a little bit, like, this doesn't seem to be a good idea. You making stupid moves and you need to be called out on it. Gene is very much like pushing back. Like, I know what I'm doing. I don't think you're the person who needs to be telling you what I'm doing is wrong. Yeah, which I thought was a, <laughs> yeah, which was a nice little bit. And I think they've been on the slippery slope since she was an X-Force and they've kind of been like going down this path. And again, I think there's just this overarching storyline with Gene um, surrounding the council anyway. I've noticed that that's been something that's come up for her a couple of times and just about her uneasiness about leaving, how she feels as though they're operating. There was an Infinity comic where she popped up in with Kate and they were talking about the council and how she's missed on there. We know Fall of X is coming up. I don't know. I think something's happening there, so I'm kind of interested to see where that goes with her. Um, The stuff with Sink, he is finally now kind of like moving out of his depression. He's been dealing with this long story about like being sad about Laura and losing the one person who he loved and who could kind of understand all the stuff he went through and the pressures of the team. She's back. She's kind of mean and nasty. He seems to love it. They in bed kissing. They hanging around. Laura looks like she's joining the team. It was a good time. It was a good history. Um, It ends off with we see Corsair in space. And it looks like he has been impregnated by the brood. And we know that the next issue is we're going into the brood saga crossover with Captain Marvel. Okay, cool. I was wondering how they were going to kind of cross that over there. Um, yeah. Interesting to see that Corsair was there, the option there to kind of bring the X-Men into this brood saga thing. I thought they were going to do use brew. Is he still around? He is, I think. I feel like someone mentioned him recently. 
Oh yeah, he became the Brood King, but I don't know what that means. Yeah. I only like the Brood as villains to beat up. I don't really care for their <laughs> yeah. like lore. <laughs> uh, I do love a whole. But the the issue all in all was like really good. I would give this a four out of four out of five. Um, great art, CFL stuff was good. Again, I thought the conversation between the lords was really good. I actually really enjoyed the exterminators cameo here. I thought the dialogue was actually kind of fun. Um, I still don't know how I feel about that team as a whole and just mm-hmm. what they're doing. I think that. You know, again, I'm a vampire guy. I love vampires. I could even kind of get into the idea of, like, Dash as a vampire hunter, but, like, I also don't know if I want her with Jubilee and Voldemort and Laura. She could always rebrand the team as her team and get new, new Jubilee, Jubilee makes a comment about how um, they're thinking about using the name officially Exterminators, and has, she makes an offhand comment about how they might vote new members in on the gala. Which I thought was like cute because even if it doesn't happen, I thought that was like something cute that they could start doing like for other teams. Like, oh, we had the gala. Like, who wants to join our team? Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm into the vote and all that stuff. So I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think that would be fun. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. But um, good week. Those are the books of the week. Check them out. Let us know what you guys think. All right, y'all, let's go ahead and move over into the AR Club of the Week. And this week we watched episodes um, two, three, and four. Also, thanks for sticking with us here. We know we took a break last week. Um, and instead of jumping ahead through the episodes, we wanted to keep watching. Watch as many as we can mm-hmm. before, you know, HBO Max does a weird decision that takes it off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this week we watched episodes two, three, and four of uh, Justice League Unlimited and... I'm going to just go ahead and already say that, like, this is just quality, like, superhero animation. Yeah. Um, the episode two was called For the Man Who Has Everything, um, directed by Dan Reba and written by GM DiMatteis, which, like, I know he's done a lot of Spider-Man stuff um, back in the day, and he's a famous comic book writer, so that's kind of cool. Um, and this episode actually adapts Spider-Man Annual number 11, which was written by Alan Moore and drawn by Dave Gibbons. And it is the, um, this like plant thing that they put on Superman. And uh, the mm-hmm. episode starts with Batman and Wonder Woman showing up. Batman talking about like, I just got him a gift. <laughs> like, I wrote him a yeah, check. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was like his birthday or something, wasn't it? And they were like trying to throw yeah, him a surprise. Yeah. Um, it's always yeah. nice to see Trinity stories. I, I know I give them a lot. Because they owe and they kind of need to sit down somewhere. But it is nice when you see the three of them together. Yeah. Um, and the plant's called the Black Mercy. That's right. Um, and they see Superman's got the Black Mercy on him. Turns out Mongol was the one who delivered it. And King. maybe it was the World War Saga. I don't know. But for me, Mongol is a really cool villain. And he is. <laughs> He's high. And I, I think a big part of it was the World War Saga. Because, like, that kind of, like... I think he was always there. Like, War World, it was cool. You know, it was going to fight. You know, it was a big thing. But, like, that saga, I don't know. It was something different. <laughs> yeah. It was it was something up in that. Because that's just too fire. And um, Superman, when he finally gets free of the Black Mercy, was beating his ass. Like, mm-hmm. one thing about Superman... We've talked this... I've said this before in the show. Like, he is you know, Superman, but he will, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he has no problem beating you up. 
That'll be the first thing he, he does. He can be nasty. <laughs> yeah, I'm not mad at it. Um, ultimately, of course, they end up winning and they turn the Black Mercy on Mongol. Um, what did you think overall of that episode? I liked it. Again, like I have said it before, um, I like the Superman who was going to beat your ass a little bit. and He's not afraid to like kind of get down the dirty. So and again, you kind of need Mongols for that for him. It was cool. I like to see the Trinity together. So it was nice that they were bringing him gifts and we got a little stuff with them. It was cool. It was a great shot. Yes, I really like that. Um, and then the next episode was the was that kid stuff? The With kids. The, um, yes, that was, that was kid stuff. And then I think the last one was the Hawk and Dove. I so I thought the Hawk and Dove was the second one, and then the next one was the Power Girl one. Oh, did, did my skip? Did I watch the wrong one? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> the Hawk and Dove one was next. So the um, Wonder Woman teams up with Hawk and Dove, and I don't know. I'm not really into Hawk and Dove. I'm sorry. I loved it. I love Hawk I got and it. Dove. It was the only one. I was like, this is it. I was like, I'm here for it. I was like, I have to I admit. appreciate that they use the brothers also. Like, you don't really get to see a lot of um, male Dom in adaptations, which is like, I'm, I'm not going to say it's fine. It's kind of sad because he dies, obviously. But <laughs> the girl Dom is like also a really cool character. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that they used like the brothers in it and not the girl. But I, I love Hawk and Dove. I love their concept. They're also my hometown hero because they're from D.C. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Okay. I understand yeah, why that, you love them. They're from the hometown support. Yeah, they, Okay. Hometown support. They deal with like, um, they kind of like investigate stuff. They deal with like magic threats and things like that. Do you remember when I went back and read like the Hulk and Dove series? It was like so good. And I was so crazy. Uh, it was so crazy that I loved it because it was drawn by Rob Liefeld. Oh. It was like, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but it was like good stuff. It was like his big first major comic work. It's like the thing that put him on the map. Wow. Yeah, they were like, oh, this is like a guy. He's like up and coming. Let's get him on this book. And it was Hawk and Dove. And, and it now was look at Dove. him. And, and now look at him. Just the nastiest man you can <laughs> <laughs> So nasty. Um, um, I don't yeah. know. So They've never really done anything for me. I, I get the what they bring, like the appeal that they bring. I don't know. They never really moved me. I don't think they've had. Um, I don't think they've had like a good modern telling of what their story is. And I think a lot of times when you kind of get into the whole thing of like there's multiple, like someone can die and then it comes back, um, that gets confusing for people. You also kind of like look at them in the sense of they're connected to the uh, agents of chaos and order, but like people, it's like a different type of brain and people. It, I don't know. I think you get confusing for people. There's a lot of stuff mixed in there, but. I think they're really cool characters. Hmm. I in this episode, Ares basically was using everyone in this war to power up this machine called the Annihilator and causing more damage because that's all Ares likes to do. <laughs> that is yeah. his point. Um, but I did find it a wild when Wonder Woman went to Hephaestus and he was like, you know. I'm not gonna tell anybody your secrets to your armor, and she, she leaves. Yeah. And he was like, "Call me when you want me to let it out." <laughs> I thought that was like that's so rude. <laughs> there is one thing about the 
Greek gods. They're going to gag Diana. They are not scared of her at all. <laughs> they are not afraid of her. <laughs> and they're going to make sure that you know that they are not afraid of her. So I always kind of like love that. So um, the episode after, I guess it was the... It was Maybe Supergirl. Green, green... Oh, I- Skipped ahead. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, you, you skipped the episode. It was, it was. I mean, that's why we can talk about that one too, because I actually I remember that episode vividly. That's one of my favorites of this. But we'll, this we'll save it. We'll save it for next now. week. But I do remember the. I remember the episode with. Uh, oh yeah, with um Galatea, right? Yeah, and they and she looked like Power Girl. Yeah, I wonder why they. Yeah. I'd have to do some research on why they decided to name her Galatea instead of Power Girl. I wonder if Power Girl was busy someplace else. The one thing about DC and their like intellectual property is kind of do like more of a library system kind of versus where Marvel you can see the character literally anywhere. Um but if if a character was going to be focused on something then they won't put them in anything else. So for example, Aquaman wasn't in the cartoon because they were using Aquaman. They were preparing to have him in a um, that's that's live action solo series that he was gonna have. So they didn't. I think I think the DC's biggest thing, which is wow, because the multiverse is their thing. They were like very against confusing audiences with too many of the same character in places. So I know that's why Aquaman yeah. wasn't a part of the seven in this because. He was being checked out because he was having a live action show created. But now. Uh, now they don't care. Now anybody can be anywhere and they just someone say, you're just going to deal with it. But whatever. That's their own fault. Well, they don't care about a lot of things. So. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, um, uh, I do know this episode was called Fear for Symmetry and um, it had Green Arrow and Question like Supergirl was having these weird dreams and she was like connected to this uh, Galatea clone because Cadmus cloned her. Um, I've always found it interesting that they would go that route for her in this with cloning Supergirl um, because I've always felt like cloning a Kryptonian should be a lot harder than (laughs) than how they made it. And they just be making clones of everybody. And it's also like, where's everybody getting Superman DNA from? You know, I, I just be getting all this stuff so easily. Right, right. And I don't know. I've always felt like the cloning route for Galatea was weird. They could have just said, I don't know, she was from another universe and they just brainwashed her or something. Um, she was cute in her bob. I'll give her that. She was. She was. And she's a full-figured woman, too. <laughs> so, yeah, so. She, was, she, was, she was giving it to you. Legs and hips and body, and it was it was working. I enjoyed it. And seeing her and Supergirl fight, I love a cat fight. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm always go up for it. You know, two brawlers going at it, so. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I love it. Half that. Um, are you enjoying this the way that you did when this was kind of coming out? Has it held up for uh, you? Yes. It is. As I'm still like very much enjoying. I'm still really liking the cameos. Again, I think these first few episodes have been really good. Um, it's also really interesting to see how they've been centering a lot of stuff around like Green Arrow and kind of making him another POV character. I think he's one of those characters who a lot of people recognize as a big part of the league, even though he doesn't make it into a lot of the adaptations that they have. So it was nice that he was kind of getting his due. It's also been interesting to me how much I think this cartoon specifically was a, were a lot of people's first introduction to these characters. 
Like, mm. I know even for myself, I had never heard of Hawk and Dove before when I was a kid. This came out in 2004? Yeah, I was 13. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this, mm. I hadn't really, really been reading too much decent no, stuff. I knew Hawk and Dove. Hawk and Dove. But, but I'm a big, I was a big Titans guy. Ah, okay. So, and you know, Hawk and Dove, they were like, back with the originals. Then yeah. Lilith. Lilith. Lilith is also coming back. Mm. She's going to be in the Power Girl backup. That's going to be happening in Action Comics. So if you guys have missed Lilith Clay, aka Omen of Teen Titans fame, she wears the go go boots. She got a skirt. She got good hair. She's a telepath. She's like useful. Telepath is Whereas, a stretch. Like, Ooh, don't try it. She's a full fledged telepath. She has. She could that. maybe guess your birthday. <laughs> she <got a> <laughs> she's actually helping Power Girl in it. Like she's using she's like making her guess her powers. On the astral plane or something like that. It's going to be drawn on She's here. The mother. She's a mother. Remember when she became Mother Man? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> She's here. Liz is the doll. I don't know about that. Looking like another Jean Grey When she first jumped on the scene, it was actually because the Titans had went to like some club and she was a go-go dancer. And so she like just walks up to the table and she's like, oh, I'm a telepath. I know who all of you are. Let me help you. Mm. And it was that simple. Looks good. We love it. They, be- they believed her. <laughs> she joined the team. Her and Donna was beefing for a little bit. <laughs> it was hot. She came in. Oh, so wow. I'm really excited for that. Um, she, was busy- she was there. Like Hawk and Dove were also there around the time. Um, a little bit later. So all them characters. I love them. Yeah, I didn't read a lot of that stuff until I was much older. So this was like my introduction to a lot of those characters that I had never really read before. And I was way more into Marvel, like exclusively mm-hmm. at this age, too. Um, but I, I think it still holds up. I love this cartoon. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. It's done it It's done a little damage to my favorite Green Lantern. But we'll discuss that later. He's old. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there but I think he'll probably be younger in live action so we're gonna save it again so if anything though this is why everyone whenever they think of green lantern they think of the john yeah it it helped him there yeah that's popular it really does look wonder yeah all right y'all well let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll come right back All right, y'all, welcome back to the relaunch section of the show. And this week, um, it was on me to come up with the relaunch. And I'm going to go ahead and just say, I am relaunching Ongoings. Now, mm-hmm. people have heard me complain about, you know, the state of comics right now, especially with what mm-hmm. my favorite characters are doing and where they are and all that kind of stuff. But I did look at, like, the landscape of, like, the comic book industry right now, and it feels like a lot of books aren't being launched with the intent of being an ongoing. Like everything is a five issue miniseries, or um, even if it is being kind of billed as an ongoing, like the premise isn't something that even feels like it's gonna be a, a perpetual premise for the character that can keep going. It's like, okay, well, once they do that, then what? Um, mm-hmm. And I really wanna, I really want 
there to be an emphasis on the ongoing again. Um, I know that both the big two are really big on trying to get that number one sales push. But I do think that certain characters um, and just certain ongoings can keep going and you can build the hype of just a new writer and a new artist coming onto a book. I don't think there's a difference between people finding out about a new number one and that's why they want to go and jump on the book versus, oh, you know, another milestone, issue 50, start there. You know, and then if they if they want to go back and read those first 50 issues, they can. But I think that there should be a lot more emphasis put on, like, the ongoing, especially for Marvel, whose universe is, has never, like, relaunched. They're doing the whole, you know, continuing the story kind of thing. So I want to get back to the ongoing. They just recently launched, like, the Storm ongoing. Um and or they announced like this X twenty three one is again another thing that was in the past. Uh, I gotta say something real quick about the storm ongoing, quote quote unquote. Um, right, because I did see that being announced as like, oh, Storm's first solo outing. It's her series, da da da. But then they did say like, oh, it's only five issues. Um, I even know uh, Betsy's book coming up is something similar. There was an interview with Teeny where she talked about how they know that they got five issues to start with and like the rest will kind of just be dependent on the sales of the book and i feel like by the time the first issue comes out a company knows whether or not that book is going to go past five issues so the storm thing is frustrating because there's this nasty lady by the name of Nicki minaj and she once did a rant about how when you're offered pickle juice if you take the pickle juice that's what they're going to give even if you know you're worth more, even if you know you deserve more, even if you know that there should be something else. If you take the pickle juice, you set the precedent that this is what you can get, and that's all they're going to give it to. And when I look at this Storm book, it is the equivalent of taking the pickle juice to me. Because, I'm sorry, I understand flashback miniseries. I understand the appeal of nostalgia. I understand the appeal of going to those different types of crowds and things like that. But in this day and age where you have this character who you kind of front as the face of your company, and you are sitting here talking about this is her first solo book, this is something new, this is something big, it's something different, and you're about to give me 80 Storm with the Mohawk, which she probably ain't going to have no powers. It's selling me that this woman who you truly see as like the quote-unquote face is your company, you're only ever going to see her in this way in the past. And there's truly no moving forward from that. And like that is really kind of annoying to me. Yeah, it's setting this precedent that if you ever want to write a storm who's free and wild and, you know, raging like the storm, then we got to go 80s punk rock and go back into the past, which... Especially when, and again, like you can make the case that an X-Men Red is kind of like a stealth Storm solo or that um, just whatever, Storm of the Brotherhood's coming out. But again, like those are things where it's like this is still set as an ensemble cast or it's set in an alternate reality. So even if her name is on the title, it's still something completely different. There's no reason why you can't really have a Storm in the Brotherhood series set in the present day and just have that billing for her. To, like, show that, yes, we are putting our foot forward with this character as who she is now and making this work and making that be something big. And instead, it's like, no, actually, here's this old thing. Here's some pickle juice. I'm not taking the pickle juice. 
I'm not taking the pickle juice either, which is, again, where this relaunch is coming from. I want us to get back to having the ongoings and giving these characters the the shine that they deserve and giving them, like, the stories that they can keep pushing. I do think that it's still possible. Um, previously, I've said before that in a relaunch that I wanted, like, certain... some Everybody don't need a book. I do think that every everybody doesn't, but I do think that if you combine characters, they can make some great ongoings um, or combine series into more of like a, like, oh, it's, it's like three comics in one versus it just being just one character or something. I think we could do something like that. Kind of like a lot of manga or uh, any of those kind of books like that. Like, I think you can start packing a lot of stuff together if you want to like really sell um, and just really get back to the ongoing. I know I feel like I sound like an old man, <laughs> but... but I, I would I appreciate it if we some, got back to it. I think that there's like this. I don't know. It's a it's a slippery slope when you think about like the ongoing and the fact of like okay yeah we can announce this book and obviously everything from the comic is gonna be about the bottom line. This is a sales business. You got to make the money on it. But it's kind of this thing where it's like just more so as a hope. Where I feel like back in the day maybe you could push a series out for a little bit longer in the hopes that it'll gain its traction and get its audience and it'll do this thing where it's like, now it's like, no, you'll get these five issues. By issue one, we'll know whether or not you're going to go beyond that. And it's like, okay, a lot of people don't want to always get invested in something like that. A lot of people read comics differently these days. Some people wait via like... um uh what's that marvel unlimited some people do trade so uh, again i think it's just that slippery slope of the comics industry as a whole how people how they read comics how they buy comics how all of that is changing and how the industry itself isn't really moving in the best direction with it yeah we need to change this around y'all let's get back to having some (laughs) ongoings out there and really boosting this up um i think we can really do some stuff with the comic book industry. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. All right, y'all. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Please make sure you rate and subscribe us wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Another Relaunch. You can email us at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can watch us on YouTube at Another Relaunch TV. You can find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. I tried to change my PlayStation name, but that did not work. I guess it's taken. I maybe might put an underscore in there somewhere. I don't know. Uh, underscore always helps. I know. I thought about that. I might do that. We'll see. Um, anyway, Keenan, where can they find you? Um, you guys know you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance with an underscore at the end. I don't know. Maybe not on Twitter for too much longer. Elon needs to get it together. This is why I need rich people to engage in rich people activities. If you bored, buy a yacht. Don't buy Twitter. Don't buy Twitter. Because you're messing it up. That's that. Why not just, like, invest in it? And, like, get money that way somehow. Like, why buy it yourself? You're a super villain. Whatever. And- <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> All right, y'all. Let's get up out of here. We'll catch y'all next week. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>